Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, yo church, yo. How are you this morning, all those watching online? It's good to be here, right? Uh, as you heard, there's new... Um, Ordinance coming. We're not too sure because what was verbalized and what is written doesn't match yet, so we'll know more what's going to happen tomorrow. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. So we're all ready for Christmas? Yay. How many of you, you don't have your Christmas tree up yet? Come on. So everybody has their tree up? There you go. Awesome. Ask you to stand. We'll just come. We're just going to present ourselves before the Lord. Father God, we exalt you this morning. You're so amazing. Oh, yeah, God. We thank you so much for this season. And we want to rejoice in you. We choose to focus on you. We want to see you move in our midst, in our lives. We thank you that you are so good. We thank you that you're awesome, that you're present with us, and that you want to reveal yourself, that you want to speak to every heart. You know every person watching. You know everyone that is on the balcony, everyone that is sitting below, all those that are in the foyer. You know all of us, and you have a word in season. I just pray that you would help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart and that you would go beyond my word. So God, we open our hearts to you. We say yes to what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me grab a seat. So I call my message. It's a great day. It's a beautiful season, really. When you look at Christmas, it's an amazing season. Uh, really, when we look at revivals, if we look at the greatest revival that has ever happened, it's the coming of Jesus. It changed everything. When Jesus was born in this manger, when Jesus took the form or God took the form of a man, Philippians chapter 2 says that he forsake the glory of heaven and decided to be born like a man and he lived like a human being. He was fully God, fully man. And he lived a life for us to be reconciled with the Father. But the moment he was born, it was the greatest day ever. Like before there was visitation, now it was habitation. And the thing when it comes to our theology, we got to believe that when it comes to the first coming of the Messiah or the first coming of Jesus, he came as a suffering Messiah. But sometimes we think that he kind of came, he lived for 33 years, and he left, and we are here as orphans or we are on our own. That's not what we believe in our theology. We believe that he came the first time as a suffering Messiah. We know he's going to come back as a victorious Messiah, but the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is present through the Holy Spirit in the church in our lives. So what I'd like to share about today is the heart of what I want to share is that Jesus came and stayed. Jesus came and stayed. When we look at, I'm going to start with the bad news, okay? And I'm going to talk about a bit of negativity, but you'll find that I have a reason for that. But I'm going to read, first of all, John chapter 1. It's not a negative text. It's a beautiful text. It gives us uh, a picture 
of Jesus. And the Apostle John walked with Jesus. And the Apostle John wrote the gospel. Sometimes we, we uh, let's say you, you meet someone that never read the Bible. We have a tendency of having them read the gospel of John. But actually, the gospel of John is probably the hardest gospel because there's so much theology in it. Actually, John writes to the church. Uh, the other apostle or the other writers of the gospel, they write for a particular group. And John writes to the church. So he, one of the main uh, message of, of John is to, to describe who Jesus is. There's different encounters uh, that Jesus has in the, in the gospel of John that makes Jesus relational and personal. But there's a lot of theology in the gospel of John. And chapter 1, verse 1, gives a description of who Jesus is. Portrays Jesus as God. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. When it comes to the beginning, it talks, it talks about the beginning of our world. Uh, the word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was, create, was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. So the first part you see in verse 3, it talks about creation. And then John talks about when Jesus walked on earth, when he was walking with him and with the crowd and with the disciples, that he was the, he was the light to everyone. But I'd like to focus on verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Beautiful verse, right? I got to read it again. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it, can never overcome it. What a beautiful verse. That when there's adversity, when there's obstacles, when there's challenges, when it seems there's no way out, it says here the light always makes a way. And when we look at science or when we look at our world, we know that when you uh, turn a light on, Darkness flees, right? You've never seen light competing with the, uh, we've never seen darkness compete with light. It seems like lights, the light always wins, right? And it does. So here it says, John is giving this picture of Jesus, and he says, Jesus is the light of the world, and the darkness cannot extinguish that light. It's like even you have this fireman that wants to kill a fire. You can't kill the fire of Jesus. You can't kill the move of God. You can't cure, cure, you can't kill what God has start uh, uh, to do or the move of God. And, and so John talks about that. But at the same time, when we look at what John is saying, he's talking about darkness because when Jesus came, it, it was a chaos. It was chaotic. Yeah, there you go, I said it. It, was, it, was, it wasn't easy, it was, it was dark. He didn't come into a, uh, sometimes when we look at the story of Jesus, we, 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 we think about how nice it was, how beautiful it was. It was in a dark era. 400 years, they didn't have a prophet. God was, was quiet for 400 years. That's a long time. A lot longer than two years, Right? 400 years it was quiet, from Malachi to the gospel, 400 years. And in that process or in that time, there was a lot of hard stuff. One of the first things that they had to deal with was Rome. They were under the oppression of Rome. For now, about 60 years, Rome was dominating, was controlling the promised land. And before that, it was the Greek. And so the Jews were under the burden of oppression, spiritual oppression, it was heavy for them. 
I remember going to Israel a few years ago, and I went to Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi is a place where um, you had a temple dedicated to Caesar. And it was the worst place in the promised land. It was a place of idolatry, a place of idols. And, and, uh, and one time Jesus with his disciple, we find the story in Matthew chapter 16. When he talks to Peter and he says to Peter, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. He was exactly at, at Caesarea Philippi. And he was probably pointing at the idols and, and the God of, of the Romans and say, you see all this? Nothing will stop Nothing will stop the move of God. Nothing will come in the way because the light cannot, the darkness cannot compete with the light. So you look at the context of when Jesus was born. It was under oppression, demonic oppression. And Jesus was born in that time. And he, as we know today, he brought hope. You look at the government of Jesus' days. It wasn't pretty. Uh, you had Herod the Great that was there in power, actually placed by the Romans and tried to uh, please the Greek. He was kind of, uh, uh, he, he was kind of a two-faced. And one of the things with him, he was a bad king. Uh, he, he had a low self-esteem. So when it came to his family, he murdered a good portion of his family because he was threatened by them. And so you have this guy, this king that uh, tried to, to, well, not tried, lied to uh, the, uh, the magis uh, and, uh, and, and the wise men so he would be able to go see the king, uh, the king of the Jews, Jesus, and with the purpose of killing the Messiah, right? And so we know what the story after, how many kids died, and this is why God took uh, a lad, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus to Egypt because of that until, until Herod would die. So the context wasn't the greatest, right? You, you look also at the spiritual climate or the religious uh, mess that was when Jesus was born. You had the Pharisees that were controlling the people with all kinds of laws and regulations, putting the people under the burden, adding laws and manipulating the people. It was ugly. And then you had the Sadducees that were another clan, another sect in, in, the, in the religion, and they didn't even believe in the resurrection, they just focused on the law of Moses, and they never regarded the prophet. And they were focused on money. They were focused on land. And that was the religious climate. Not too good, right? So you look at the, uh, the social climate. It was not easy, too, because you had people that did not know how to respond to the oppression. Should we fight like the zealot, or should we take the path of peace? And the people were, were divided. And, and so that's the context where Jesus was born. It was, it was chaos. It wasn't a pretty sight. But the beauty with the story of Christmas is that Jesus is the light that comes in the darkness. That Jesus came. It didn't matter how bad it was. It didn't matter how ugly it was. Listen, it didn't matter the context or the environment. Jesus came in. It was ordained by God. God had a plan. And there was a rescue mission. And because of that, here we are today. So, so what I'd like to share to you today is that in this chaos, you see Jesus coming. And you see Jesus bringing life. And so, so when it comes to the good news and when the angels proclaim to the shepherd, this is good, uh, good tidings, great news. He was talking about that Jesus was coming and he was to make a, a significant, well, eternal change. Forget significant, eternal change. 
And so Jesus came and he changed the whole, the, the, the whole, uh, uh, the whole scene, the whole, uh, the, the, the whole landscape. And, and so when Jesus came, uh, he, he came in and, 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 and God moved through him. And, and we know his journey and we know that he came to, uh, to lay his life down. And like I said earlier, this is why we're here. But when we look at the coming of, of the Messiah, uh, we find in, in the coming of Jesus, we find... So many awesome stories, right? And it's, I invite you to read the, the gospel story, the, the story of the birth of Jesus, because we see some awesome pictures. We, we, we see God move in a supernatural way, right? We see God do miracles and wonders. We see God speak uh, to, to um, Mary and Joseph, where uh, they had an, an angel appeared to them, and, and they saw like myriads of angels, uh, the shepherd did, and they heard uh, the angels sing. And so when you look at the story of Jesus, there's signs and wonders. It's, it's God moving in, and, and God speaking, and God revealing himself. And, and you look at the mages that were led by a star. Think about that for a moment. A star that moved in the heavens. Uh, we don't know exactly how it was, but it gave the direction or, or the location of the Messiah. And the mages were able to find the Messiah because of the star. You look at all these events, it's pretty amazing, right? So when we look at the event of the birth of Christ, we have to say it's miraculous. First of all, it's a miraculous birth, right? We look at the virgin that gave birth. So everything, when it, everything that is linked to the birth of Jesus, it's miracles after miracles after miracles, right? So like I said earlier on, it's the greatest revival ever. And, and the story of Christmas and the desire of Father God and what God had planned was to come on earth, is to see the son come on earth and take the form of a babe, take a former human, and laying his life down. But all this, not beyond this, but with this in mind, his desire was to stay with us. And that's what we see in this journey of God and his people. In the Old Testament, God would show up, God dwell with his people, but it was not like it is today. Like in biblical time, God lived in the ark, it was in a box, and, and, and God was present, but he was not like he is today. And, and the desire of God, his desire was always to come and dwell with us. It's the restoration of what happened in the garden where Adam and Eve was walking with God, and that's what God wanted to restore through Jesus. So the heart of what I want to say to you this morning is that as we celebrate Christmas, as Jesus was born in, in the chaos, when it comes to our lives and when it comes to what we're dealing with, we need to realize that Jesus never left. He's still here by the presence of the Holy Spirit. The, Bibles will, the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church. Does it say that he will be the head of the church? He will become the head of the church? It says that he, he is the head of the church. So that means that God is present and he is alive and well. And, and that's what we need to see. As Jesus came 2,000 years ago uh, as the Messiah, he did not leave. We know that he left bodily. We know that he is a person. He's part of the Trinity. But God himself stayed. And Jesus said, I will give you a comforter. The Holy Spirit will come on you. There was never a time where we, we were alone. So when Jesus said, 
Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He meant it. And that's what we really need to see. Uh, the good news is that God moved in the chaos. And the good news is that Jesus, the Savior, the, deliver, the Deliverer, came into the chaos. And because of that, everything changed. There's no 400 years to wait anymore. You know, at one point, 400 years, it's quiet. Where's the Messiah? Where's God? Like we're waiting for another prophet, Malachi is dead, and the Maccabees come, and, and where's God? If you feel abandoned by God, like, and it, it's a quiet time. God is all setting up all the Israelites for the coming of the Messiah, and at the perfect time he came. But he's never, he never left. There's no more 400 years. There's no time where me and you were walking alone. And that's the beauty of, of Christmas. The message of Christmas is God so loved the world that he gave his son. But it's not just that he came and he left. He came and he stayed. Yes, he's going to come one day on a white horse. And he's going to separate the sheep and the goat. But in that process, it's not that we are left alone. Can you say to someone that he didn't leave us alone? He didn't leave us alone, right? He didn't leave us alone. Like, it says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the Lord himself will give... You assign, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So, so, so Jesus came to stay. Uh, it's like the, the example of communion. When we break bread and we drink the juice, we're called to do this in remembrance of Jesus, right? Huh? We do that in remembrance. We take the bread and we remember what Jesus did on Calvary. But it's more than that. When we have communion, we remember that Jesus is the same that what, than, what, than who, he, or who he is, who, who he was when he walked on earth. The thought that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we take communion, we're celebrating, remembering that he never changed, that he's, meaning that he's there. So, so some people will say communion is very kind of a unique time because we're celebrating the fact that he is right there. So when we take communion, we're remembering what he has done, but we're also remembering the fact that oh, he's right here. That's why you, you, you want to take communion in a holy manner because he's right here. It's not something that has happened in the past. It's not in the memory. It's not long, long time ago. It's right now. He's right here, present. And that's how, that's, this is what we need to realize when it comes to this season. That was the goal of God, to be with us right now. If you are going through crisis or you are in a chaos and your life is a chaos, and you might say, well, right now it's not a chaos, but we know. I, I, would, I, I wish I would be able to say that there's going to be no chaos in your life, but the reality is there's some chaos, there's some challenge. The difference is there's no 400 years. He's right here right now with you. He's present in your life, and that was the heart of Father, to be with you in all situation. Um, he spoke to, to Mary, Joseph. He spoke to Hannah at the temple uh, as she was a prophetess. She lived in the temple. Simeon, the same thing. He spoke while well, he can speak to you too. Uh, he did signs and wonders, angels, manifestation of God in a supernatural way. He can do that in your life too. He can move you like in your situation like he moved Mary to say, here I am, serve, serve me, Lord. Uh, here I am, I want to serve you, Lord. 
We we live in an era where God is present and God wants to work. One, One of the things that sometimes we forget, we forget that we're alone. And we go through crisis and we think that we're, we have to deal with this alone. And it's not the case. God is with you and God wants to walk with you. And God wants to reveal himself to you. It's so important for you to take a hold of this truth. Because I believe many times we live life and we think that he, he came, he left. And in between we're living alone. And we're trying on our own. And it's not the truth. The thing is we got to see God. We got to embrace faith. We got to realize that God is with us right now. That was his goal. That was his plan. That was his heart. And the last thing I want to do is to live life on my own and to forget that he's in my boat, to forget that he's with me right now. We look at the season we're in. It might be difficult. It might be challenging. It might be chaotic, but it doesn't change anything. God is still there. God still wants to move. God is still present. God still has a word to say. God has a move that he wants to make. So it's not relevant to the situation. Actually, we're not controlled by the climate, right? Because we know that God is in our midst. So if God is in our midst, then we can have joy in our hearts and we can have peace because we know that everything will be fine because he's with us, right? I think it's so important to see that, that God is bigger than us, that God is stronger than us, that we don't understand all the details of life, but God is at work. We got to believe that. We got to believe that whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, whatever the chaos that is around, God is at work. And, and I think that if I look at the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they, they were not even at the, at the site of the birth and they should have been there because they knew the law. I don't want to do life and think and miss out on the fact that he's at work. I want you to get this this morning with all my heart. As we celebrate Christmas, we got to believe that he's at work, that he's got something to say, that he's got something to do, that he's present, he's alive. I'll give you a little snapshot, so I'll be away for a moment with the camera, and I'll be back. Got this little uh, statuette, um, just to give you the context of this little, this, it's kind of the armor, armor of, of the Lord. Uh, a man um, sculpted that for me many years ago. And the context of this is that one day I was um, opening letters in my office. Uh, we just built a new facility, not here. That was a f- previous church, built a new facility. And uh, I was opening uh, letters in my office, and I was opening letters with a knife. And then I saw this, um, this man that came. He was doing the mudding. He came to plaster some walls in the back. And so I saw him come by the window, and he had two pails. He was, this, this guy was 6'3", like he was a fridge, like a big guy. And he came in, and he had these two five-gallon pails, and I saw him come in the entrance. And, and, and so, so I wanted to help him out. So I ran to the door, and I still had my knife in my, in my hand. So then I pushed a panic bar, and he came in. And like he was, his muscles were flaxen. And I, I, went, I, I got this picture in my head. It went right in his arm. And it was like a hose. The blood was just all over. And you know like uh, the napkins that we have at church here to wash your hands, they don't pick up any water, right? So I remember going there picking, picking up the same kind of napkin and the blood, it was all over. And uh, so this guy is full of blood. He's a non-believer. 
and the pastor just stabbed him. <laughs> and like a good pastor does, um, come in my office, come in my office. So he's bleeding, he's sitting in the chair in front of me, and he says, Pastor, I've got marriage problem. Can you help me out? And uh, he gave his life to the Lord. Uh, him and his family, his kids went to, school, to, Christ, uh, to Sunday school and to, the, to youth. And later on, when I left, he, 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 uh, he uh, carved that or he gave that to me. And, and this, why I'm telling this story is God is way bigger than us. Way bigger than us. Who would have thought that by stabbing someone, I would reach a family? Like, who would have thought that by this, the whole family would hear about the gospel? They had never heard about the gospel before. Never. So, so I was able to enter the family. And, and one time, I, I didn't share that story. Uh, in the first service, I, I was looking for a, a table. And, and uh, we were looking for a table and chairs. And I went to this little shop. And, and this guy was, that was serving me said, are you the one that, that, uh, uh, that helped out... Uh, Dennis, I said, well, yeah. He said, well, pick any table you want. It's going to be at my cost. And it was so cool. I had a good deal for the table. But, but the thought is, it affected, it had a domino effect on the family. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel is so powerful. And the gospel is not, it's not limited to circumstances. It's not limited to what we're living. It's, it goes way beyond. It crosses things that we would, crosses in a way that we would never imagine. And the reason of that is because Jesus is still ministering. Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still at work. And he didn't leave and left us to dry. And so that is this beautiful story of Christmas. So whatever thing, that, whatever you're going through, Whatever the situation you're dealing with, it might be a financial, financial one. It might be a personal one that you're dealing with sin and you feel guilty and you feel not worthy of God. Maybe in your marriage, you need help. Maybe um, when it comes to your siblings, there's a wedge and things are not going like you, you would like it to be and it's hard and, and you feel it's a hard season just because we're going through this and because of maybe your finances, your business, I don't know, it doesn't really matter because Jesus is the same no matter what. And as he revealed himself in, uh, um, through his birth, he wants to reveal himself in your life. You just got to see him. You just got to see him. Sometimes what you need to do is you need to stop and say, where, where are you, Jesus, today? Instead of running to the right, to the left, I like to say to run like a chicken with no head, right? You look to the right, you look to the left, and you say, God, where are you in this? And you know what? You'll find him. He's promised to be with you. Like, God doesn't want you to live on the edge of anxiety and fear and depression. I know there's some things that are chronic. I get that. But there's a lot of stuff that is self-inflicted because we don't see Jesus in our midst. We forget that he's right there, right now. You know, God wants to come in my mess, even if it's self-inflicted. He wants to come in my mess. He wants to speak. He wants to reveal himself, reveal himself in my life. I just got to open the door, say yes to him, acknowledge him, breathe in and say, God, you're up to something. I don't understand. It, it seems like I'm losing control. It seems like... 
I'm powerless. But you're not. You have a way. You have a way of reaching, touching. You have a way of healing. And I, I, I want to witness that. And I challenge you to open up yourself to, uh, to God in a new way in this season. To say, God, yeah, you're Emmanuel. You're with me. Yeah, you, you came to stay. You came to stay. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.